Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay, awesome. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here. Uh, let me open in prayer, and then we can get into the study, okay? Father Yehovah, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another Shabbat. We delight in these day that you set apart for us. And Father, we come here uh, to lift up your name, to grow closer to you, to understand your words and the words of your son, Father. So be with us today, and, um, and we just ask that, that you will bring us back here again next week, uh, uh, all safe. Father, we thank you because we trust in whom you sent, and that is your son, Yahushua, our Messiah and our King. Amen. Okay, great. So hopefully Memorial Day weekend, everyone is is going to have a good and safe time, regardless where you might want to go. So uh, I, I pray that that will be upon you as well. So I'm going to take the first half uh, or so uh, to get some talking points, and then um, then I'll open it up for some comments or or some questions maybe or 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 any or anything like that that may come up. Uh, John has the mic, so as usual, just raise your ha hand, and the mic will find its way to you. And I, I just, I ask that you know, you know, please be on point on the subject that we're talking about, and uh, and try to make it. Uh, I'm not try. Please make it brief. <laughs> That's probably the better way to word that. So, where yes, uh, we where we're in uh, Matthew chapter 21. We began chapter 21 last week. Yeshua enters Jerusalem, okay? Uh, it's that triumph entry. He's coming into Jerusalem. And, I, uh, and we have to keep in mind, so he's coming into Jerusalem, and, and three days will be the Passover uh, celebration. So the city, the city is filled with people because of, that approaching, uh, uh, because of the approaching feast. The week prior, this is kind of interesting. I wanted to... Uh, the week prior to this, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, I think that's kind of significant because, I don't know, over the years reading, uh, reading Scripture, it's like okay, we'll read these things because it's recorded in various places, you know. Um, but this year, it kind of, uh, or during this study, it really uh, said something more. So this understanding, how do I say it? Because the week of Passover actually begins the first of the month. Uh, you start counting down. And then uh, Nisan 10, how we see, you bring the lamb into, into the household and examine it. And on the 14th day, four days after that, uh, then, it is, um, then it was uh, sacrificed. So we see in the same, some Messiah is playing out that same thing. So prior to this, so it is in Nisan that uh, in Nisan that he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now remember, Lazarus, his Hebrew name would be Eliezer. Now remember, Eliezer was the first high priest for the collectiveness of Israel. 
it was Aaron's brother. So Lazarus and um, Eliezer, they, they share the same, uh, the, the, the same name. So I just thought that was interesting that that happens. And what, I would, what I'm going to do later on is we're going to really examine and see all the things that are happening at this time of Passover when Messiah is coming in because there's, there's so much recorded and it, I believe it will help us get a better understanding of you know, some of the things that uh, happen in Messiah's comments as well. So he, he rides in on the back of a donkey, and we talked about uh, how that related to Zechariah 9, uh, the prophecy that we saw there, and the symbolism of a donkey in Scripture, and how a, how a donkey possibly is the picture of Elohim's authority and the power of his words. Uh, this week, we will continue into chapter 21 uh, of, of Matthew. Just like the days leading up to the exodus out of Egypt, the Passover lamb was uh, reviewed for all defects. Okay, so we see this play, uh, being played out here. So Exodus 12 reads this way, and then I'll bring it together real quickly. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of the month, each, each one of them takes for himself a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for, the, for a household. And if that household be too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the beings, according to each man's need. Make your count for the lamb. Here it is. Let the lamb be a perfect one, a year old male, take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month when all the assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it between the evenings. I wanted to read this from Exodus because this is being played out here in Matthew. We, um, we, will, see, we will see a perfect lamb a firstborn, and the firstborn in Yahshua. Okay, Yeshua will give signs of healings just like the prophet from Elohim, uh, like a prophet from Elohim, and teach from Yehoah's words that will show his authority and who he is, that he is from the Most High. And most importantly, he will be spotless, and no sin will be found in him. And just remember, sin being the idea of missing the mark, and that's disregarding the Torah of our Heavenly Father. So this Messiah, in some sense, is playing out that story in a, a deeper, deeper picture. He comes into Jerusalem on Nisan 10, and then, then the Passover is going to occur. And we'll see that uh, coming up in the text that Messiah will be reviewed. He will be scrutinized for those, those days as well, just like the lamb in the Exodus. The picture was laid down, and the picture needs to be uh, played out as well. So any questions or comments from last week before we continue on the subject that we were talking? If, uh, Bobby, was that your hand up or no? Okay. Oh. So this is last week as well as 
the portion that you're reading today. And I do not remember, maybe somebody else does, the four uh, topics that were recorded that the Messiah would do when he, when he came. They were looking for four things. I remember two of them off the top of my head. One was that the Messiah would raise somebody after the third day. There had been people raised from the dead up one, two, and day three, but never had anyone been raised from the dead past the third day. They knew that was something only Messiah could do. Mm -hmm. The other thing was casting a demon out of someone um, that could not speak because the person that could speak would always reveal the demon, but he cast a demon out of someone who was mute that could not speak to identify, okay, what spirit it was that he was dealing with. Yes, yes. So he, there's a uh, event that takes place on the eighth day of Sukkot, right prior to these events that you're talking about, Lazarus being raised. On the eighth day of Sukkot, the master does something during the libation offering that indicates that possibly there's something more to look at here at me. Because other than this, he's been very quiet publicly. He has mm -hmm. not made any public declarations. So now all of these events that you're going to be talking about happen after basically this public declaration on the eighth day of Sukkot. And the significance of riding in on the donkey, you know, you touched on some things, but everything he does now from this point, I believe he is identifying himself as to who he is for those that are willing to see. No, I agree with you, Pauline. I think that's the amazing thing, especially, well, uh, I'm not sure where it's at, but uh, he, uh, he makes a comment. Um, uh, how'd it go? He makes that comment, uh, how, how do you not see what I, what's being uh, in front of you? And I think he didn't need to... He, by what he was doing, proclaimed exactly, they had the answers to all their questions, but they wasn't willing to, I think, sit back and see the answers right in front of them happening. Yes. So uh, thank you, Polly. So nothing else we can uh, move on here. So interesting thing is going to happen, okay? The lamb is going to be, the lamb is going to review the people as the people review the lamb. Okay, I worded it that way just to think about. What I mean is that Yeshua is going to go to the set-apart uh, set place. He's going to go to the temple, and he's going to cleanse it, uh, cleanse it, okay? And that's where we'll pick up this week. So what I see, we'll see the, uh, Yeshua is going to go in and do something here. So he's reviewing the people, <laughs> the lamb, and the people are reviewing this lamb at the same time. I just thought it was, uh, to me, a unique way of trying to see what's going on here as well. So here, let's, uh, let's continue on in Matthew. He's come in uh, into Jerusalem here. And Yahshua went to the set-apart place of Elohim and drove out all those buying and selling in the set-apart place, which would be the, ta uh, the tabernacle, the house of the Most High. And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it has been written, my house shall be, be called a house of prayer. But you have made it, made it a den of robbers. So the first order of business that we see here uh, 
He's entering the city, and what does he do? He goes and cleans up dad's house. Okay? Solomon did somewhat the same thing, too, because uh, he dedicated the temple again when he became king. So, we, again, we see similarities between Solomon and Messiah. We saw it on, you know, Solomon before he came king. He was on a mule. We see Messiah on a donkey coming in. Both places we see the people were a great joy uh, Solomon, yay, long live Solomon, that type of thing. And we see somewhat that is happening, you know, maybe mi minus the palm branches is the, the one difference uh, with uh, Solomon. So I see there's a picture here. And later in the garden, we'll see a similarity to uh, his prayer in Solomon and how they are, they are very close in nature as well when Messiah was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, and then how with um, Solomon, how at that day, what he's, the things that he proclaimed and prayed before the Father. And we'll see the, the kind of connection. Yes, Joe. Okay, in verse 5, 12-1, uh, uh, it talks about an unblemished, unblemished lamb. That was going to be sacrificed. In Exodus. And you go right. to the New Testament where he was before Pilate, and they said, I find no fault in him. Uh, I think uh, in this case here, it might have been like a, a ward or a something, you know, some physical thing. But if Christ was our sacrificial lamb, he could not have any blemishes on him whatsoever. No, exactly. And that's what we will see play out here. You're, and that's, I'm glad you're getting that, seeing that picture. And I think that's very important. We got to unite the Exodus story with the Messiah. We can't have, we can't, so to speak, have Jesus and, oh yeah, and, and it's kind of cool what used to happen. But, you know, they both have to come together. They, you know, there's a echad, that unity that must be there. So, um, and he said to them, it has been written, my house shall be a, a house of prayer, but you have made it den of robbers. So he comes in and he sees a problem. He sees something. So he starts cleaning up. Malachi sings, uh, has this verse. See, I am sending my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. So in some sense, Messiah, even though John the Baptist, I see John the Baptist doing this, I also see Messiah is also preparing the way for what the Father's going to do through him as well. So if we read here, and then it goes on, then suddenly the master whom you're seeking comes to his hell, comes to his house. Even the messenger of the covenant. Who would that messenger of the covenant be? I think this is Messiah. Even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, see he is coming, said Yahuwah of hosts. So I can even, to me, take this Malachi and put this in the same place of this happening. A house of prayer for all nations. As it was mentioned last week, and I think it was John, uh, the reference uh, is in Isaiah about the house of uh, prayer. 
But I found, um, I also found another in Jeremiah as well. It, it, and we will read both those. So another thing I want is this overturning of the, the tables in the temple, it is in all four Gospels, okay? And that's something I've been looking at and comparing uh, the, the various uh, things, um, the various events, how they're recorded in each of the, the Gospels. So, and we're going to look at that like simultaneously as we go through here, okay? So first, let's go to Isaiah. Uh, thus says Yahuwah, guard right ruling and do righteousness. For near is my deliverance to come and my righteousness to be revealed. And again, I think it's very important whenever you see these little quotes um, of any of the apostles quoting a little section, there's more to, it's not just going to that verse, it's kind of what's before and what's after that collectively. John. So is this verse 56? What is this? I mean, chapter. You don't have a chapter up there. Oh, I'm sorry. It might pop up. Maybe I, when I copied it, I was, I was up very late last night. <laughs> so I apologize. It's Isaiah, and I will get that uh, to you. 56, maybe? And I can clarify that later. So in, this, in Isaiah, it's reading this. Um, and then it goes on. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold of it, guarding the Shabbat, lest he profane it, and guarding his hand from doing any evil. And let not the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to Yahuwah uh, speak, saying, Yahuwah has certainly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, look, I am a dry tree. For thus says Yahuwah, the eunuch who guards my Shabbats and have chosen what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, so that I shall give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of the sons and daughters. I give them an everlasting name that is not cut off. So the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to Yahuwah to serve him and to love his name, love the name of Yahuwah and to be his servants, all who guard the Shabbat and do not profane it and hold fast to my covenants, them I shall bring to my set-apart mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. There their burnt offerings and their slaughterings are accepted on my altar for my house to be called a house of prayer. So we can see that's connected with what Messiah was just saying. My, my father's house is a house of prayer. It's a house for all nations. It's, it's there for everybody. But you've made it a den of robbers. So we are going to look at Jeremiah next. But there was a question that I was pondering this week, and I can't tell you I have, it ex have an exact answer to, uh, for you, but I think it's something that we need to look at. The question I asked myself, why was Yeshua so upset at the money changers? Okay, what made him upset? You know, was it just because they set up their tables? Was, there, was it because 
various things. I, for instance, I read this one thing. Uh, someone said, well, Messiah was upset because those who were journeying from far distances didn't bring their own personal lamb from their own personal flock. And when they came in, it was about they should have brought that instead because if they come into the city and they just purchase another lamb for the sacrifice, it's not from them. And uh, I'm not quite on that. So, John, do you have... Uh... Well, I have an answer, but the, <clears throat> I'll let you uh, talk about what you think it is. But I just the point of it is, it, the, the, the fact that, there's, that they're changing money isn't wrong. Exactly. So, because when they come from, you, when it's in the Torah, it says, if you come from far away, you can sell your animal, bring the money, and then buy it, you know. And I'm glad you mentioned it, because I did see that. It's like, so it, 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 that can't be wrong. And we just read, remember a couple weeks ago, uh, I've read a lot, well, money's filthy, and, you know, he didn't want anything to do about money. Well, we had the temple tax that we reviewed that was from the Father, so it can't be money itself. I think in my, my way, my opinion of this is, is it's not a change in money. It's the be disrespectful to the temple. Because animals poo and pee inside is made duty the temple. Uh, the people don't respect because they thinking in business and the money only. Mm-hmm. Other go get it easily for them, got the offering there. But uh, they made duty the temple. It is became, um, oh my God, I forget the word. It is is not something. Um, let me see. Is the smelling is is um, my God? It's be so disrespectful. Bring animals inside when this place for praying only, to be respectful. You know, if you read a part of the commandments, um, the God give it to Moses when the priests they need a bit to make an offering. They need to take a shower, dress improperly to. Get in front of him. There was a protocol. That, you know. That, that was set in, yes. And the animals make a lot of things inside. And smelling. It, I think it's no good for that. Uh, maybe he be mad for this and for the money too. Yeah. Thank you. Cause, and that's just it. I think some of that will play into that. So uh, before we get too far, let's maybe we can find some answers real quick. Okay, Bobby and then uh, Jenny. And then let's get into the, read the text here. I think part of it is, after the fact, um, Den of Robbers. He always disliked unequal weights and measures and um, suppressing people. I believe the Den of Robbers is that they were just um, extortionists. They, They were extorting money from people, paying. Also, right after that, there was something having been said about doves, and not in that one. Must have been Matthew. And Matthew, yeah. But yeah, and the doves were basically, um, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong for the people who could not afford to bring the higher animals. Exactly. But in what was present, we see from all the gospels, real quick, uh, the various animals that were acceptable, though. You know, we do see that here. Okay. Right, but it's um, kind of like you know charging five hundred bucks for a canary (laughs) in some ways that's kind of what i i i would believe um and we have jenny and then let's let's get into the text where'd john go 
I, when I heard of this and I read it uh, a long time ago, someone said that what happened is that uh, they had been taking the sheep and reselling the sheep. Sometimes they would, to a rich person, they would try and get more money, extract more money mm -hmm. from a poor person. But on the, sometimes the same lamb or one of the other sheep that were in the sheep coop. But the thing is that it sounded odd to me because according to the, uh, uh, the Levitical law, when they do the, the sinful sacrifice and they pray over the lamb to be slaughtered, they are to be there to see the lamb slaughtered and they are to partake of the sin offering. Yeah. So I thought that's kind so of So it couldn't strange. be the same sheep they were using over and over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I heard. That's why it was money lenders because they were, yeah. they were getting that extra money and then using it over and over. To exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. So let, let's read uh, um, uh, Mark and Luke here, okay? So uh, this is in Luke. And having entered the set-apart place, he began to drive out those selling and buying in it, saying to them, it has been written, my house should be a house of prayer. Okay, we, again, that's that Isaiah. We got Jeremiah yet to look at. But you have made it a den of robbers or thieves, whatever you have in your translation. And he was teaching daily in the set-apart place, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people were seeking to destroy him. I put that in there because that plays a part, I believe, later on, too. In Mark, we have this. And they came to uh, Jerusalem. Yeshua entered in the set-apart place, set place, again, the temple, um, began to drove, drive out those who bought and sold in the set-apart place and overturned the tables of the money exchangers in the seats of those selling doves. And, and he did not allow anyone to carry a vessel through the set-apart place. And he was teaching, saying to them, it, has it not been written, my house shall be a called a house of prayer for all nations. Again, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, in verse 16... Um, it's probably true. I don't know how it's translated, but I saw it's translated carrying anything. But what I've uh, found, especially in the Aramaic, I rely on Aramaic a lot, that uh, up in 16 where it's saying carrying a vessel, it had an idea of merchandising, okay, going on. Uh, uh, that is one of the key words to start thinking about. So I believe Yeshua did, um, and then the, the other reference is in John. I didn't bring John up here because, um, and this is me personally, but I have found a lot of evidence to back this up. So I don't have John here because I believe Yeshua did this in the temple the previous Passover, Okay. That the event, in, the event that we'll find in John is, uh, there, it's a little different, and I have my reasons again. Uh, when he turned over the tables a year before, okay? And that's what really made him stand out. So when he returned again the following year, okay, here they're saying they're plotting to kill him. But in John, it doesn't really have that. Here... They're really vengeful. Now, that's just a working theory I have. 
okay? So either way, I'm going to go with that through here, but either way, it doesn't change even some of the things going on. Yes, Joe. Okay. Um, I think this was another uh, conspiracy against Christ trying to uh, trip him up. Because evidently the people knew where he stood as far as holiness. And I was wondering who put these guys up to do what they were doing. And they were evidently taking advantage of the, the citizens. But I think not only that, it was a crooked scheme, but as I think also it was another of the Pharisees or the high priest trying to uh, trick Jesus into uh, doing something because it was uh, God's holy place and evidently they knew that he would go to the synagogue to preach. So, uh, uh, Yeah, because it's a pilgrimage place. So every, you know, uh, everyone's going to come up to Jerusalem for, the, this, for this feast, Passover. Yes. Thank you. So with, with this in mind, I want to go to Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, I want to read John, and we'll see a little bit of the differences here in John. This, this is the beginning of the signs of Yeshua did in uh, Canaan uh, of Galilee and, and manifested his esteem or his glory, and his taught ones believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his, and his taught ones, and they stayed uh, not many days in the Passover of Judah or Judeans, however it comes across, was near, and Yeshua went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the set-apart plates those selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers uh, sitting. Now, you notice here in John, the wedding feast, the, his first miracle happened. So that's why, that's one of the reasons why I see, okay, this is the first time that he came into Jerusalem, right after he got baptized, emerged, you know, and in the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, and then this occurred then. And then Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I believe when he came into Jerusalem, it's a much different atmosphere going on. So I, that's why I believe it's two separate times, okay? So just for the sake of argument to entertain, this is the first time that he come in Jerusalem, not the crucifixion week that he died, Okay. So the Passover of the Jews was near, uh, 14. And, uh, he, um, and he found in the set-apart place those uh, selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers. So he found them here, okay? Where before he knew they were there, the second time he comes in, he knew they were there, and he was going to check it out to see if there had been any change. And having made a whip, he makes a whip here, None other the other ones uh, record a whip, and that doesn't mean that it can't be the same event either, okay? A whip of cords. He drove them out of the set-apart place with the sheep and with the oxen and poured out the money-changer coins and overturned the tables. And I don't necessarily think that he was using the whip on the people. I think he was using the whip for the sound and to get the animals to, uh, to take off as well. So he turns over the, the coins and turns over the tables. Uh, he said to those selling doves, take, uh, take these away. 
do not make my house of my father a house of merchandise. Different words are being used here, both in the Greek and the Aramaic, verse uh, two, two different words are being used here. Verse in John and then the other three Gospels. And it, it has to do with merchandise again. And his taught ones remembered uh, uh, what was written. Uh, the adore or the zeal for your house has eaten me up. And you can find that in Psalms uh, 69.9. All right. So there's another quote that's there. And the, uh, the Judeans, Yehudim, uh, answered and said to him, what sign that you do to show us since you are, why you are doing these? And Yeshua answered and said to him, destroy this dwelling place, and in three days I shall raise it. So I believe that was the first time that he was associating himself to the temple. And then later on that following year, they saw in some ways, this prophecy again be fulfilled. So a house of merchandise or a house of trading, and this is going back to some of your guys' comments, I believe is getting to the core of it. A house of bartering. Now, this was, the, this was the first time he did this, and you can see what kind of tone that he may have set before the religious folks, okay? Him coming in and who's this guy, okay? So then the following year, you know, but back, uh, back to Passover week, uh, but let's go back to the Passover week of the crucifixion time. It has been written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of robbers. Okay? So here it's a house of merchandise. The other ones, it's a den of robbers. Okay? To me, there's a difference between the concepts. So... Let's go to, uh, so we need to read, the, we read the Isaiah portion about the house of prayer. So let's read Jeremiah's portion that I'm wanting to mention or read because it holds that terminology, den of thieves, okay, or den of robbers. What's that? 7-Eleven, yeah. I have remembered that only because of the, the, the convenience store. So why was he upset over what was going on? Uh, the year before, he said, don't make my father's house, uh, make my father's, uh, my father's house a house of merchandise. And then um, now he's calling them a den of robbers, okay? So there may not, uh, there may, there may be a lot more taking place to consider in Jeremiah, and that's why I wanted to read uh, and see the prophetic nature of the quotation being used there, and then bring it forward. Take note, too, okay, what we saw in, I, in Isaiah as well. Take note, what's around all these references from the Old Testament, okay? It's about two groups of people, all right? The northern and the southern kingdom. Yahshua is speaking in context, I believe, and we need to take the context into consideration and understand his uh, in consideration and understand that's part of his ministry too. So when he's quoting things from scripture, it's in the context of what that scripture 
from Jeremiah is talking about. So what I'm saying is, if he's taking a quotation from in Jeremiah where we see he's talking about the northern southern kingdom, all right, he's just not nitpicking that scripture. I believe he's bring you you can bring along the two uh, the two houses at the same time because that's playing a part here as well. I don't know if I explained that right. So, and what I'm saying is there's no replacement going on here, but there is a call to return and an offer being made to be grafted into the kingdom and the very rules that never changed it, never have changed, okay? So let's look at Jeremiah, and I'm going to, uh, just a small portion of it, but you should read all of Jeremiah 7, okay? So Jeremiah uh, says this, The word came to Jeremiah from Yahuwah, saying, Stand in the gates of the house of Yahuwah, that's the temple, right? And you shall proclaim there this word, and you shall say, Hear the word of Yahuwah, all of you of Judah. Okay, because that is where the temple's at, and that's where Messiah's at as well. Okay, who enter these gates and bow before Yahuwah. Thus says Yahuwah of hosts, the Elohim of Israel, make your ways and your deeds good. Then I let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these false words saying, this is the, the house or this is the temple of Yahuwah. This is the temple of Yahuwah. This is the temple of Yahuwah. Okay? Because it seems like they were focused on the temple rather than what the temple was supposed to do. But that's not negating the temple. Okay? And they were oathing, I'll oath by the temple. I'll oath by, you know. So anyhow, let me continue. For if you truly make your ways and your deeds good, if you truly do right rulings between man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, because we have a lot of strangers coming in from foreign lands, coming into Jerusalem with, with the money exchanging, right? And the fatherless, and the widow, and you do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other Elohim or other gods to your own evil. Then I shall let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. See, you are trusting in false words. They're trusting in words that are not coming from him. They're coming from somebody else, and it could be various types of groups and theologies. See, you're trusting in false words which do not profit. <laughs> Now, now he's really getting to it. Stealing, murdering, committing adultery, and swearing falsely, and burning incense to Baal, and walking after other gods, other mighty ones and theologies, um, ones you have not known. And you, and you came and stood before me in this house, which is called by my name, you notice now it's that same verbiage. We have been delivered in order to do all the abom these abominations. Isn't that interesting? You come to that house, oh, we, we're saved. We've been washed clean righteousness so we can go do more abominations. That's, to me, that's basically what it's saying. We're just using this house as a way to come and say... I'm clean by the blood of Jesus, so now I can go out and eat what I want, do whatever I want, because I can come back, and I can always have forgiveness, and let's use the house of the Most High so we just 
can feel good inside and not really change a darn thing about our lives. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in my eyes? And this is the father saying, look, I, I myself, I see you, declares Jehovah. But go now to my place in uh, uh, Shiloh. That's where the, it was first. That's where the northern kingdom, the first capital was. Go there. Okay? So he's talking to Judah here. He's talking to the house of Judah. So, but look what I did to your brothers. There I set my name at the, in the first and see what I did to it because of the evil of the people of Israel, that house of Israel. So why do you think I'm going to change my mind or it's going to be in a different? And then just the bigger question, if this is how the father operates, is he, he's always going to operate this way. And now because you have done all these things, declared Yahweh, the stealing, murdering things in holding on to false words and turning my house into a den of robbers, of merchandise, and speak to you, uh, I declares Yahuwah, and I spoke to you, rising up early and, speak, uh, early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called to you, but you did not answer. I shall also do this to this house, meaning, okay, the same house, but my name was where the tabernacle was. You see what I did there. I'm not going to, I'm not changing. So I, yes, this temple looks beautiful. Thank you for building it. But if you're going to turn it into a den of robbers, then I'm going to leave it. And it is not going to be made of, you know, you'll never see the intention that I have set forth of building a temple that is not made with hands because you're never going to, you're, if you're not going to understand that small concept of the, this brick and mortar, you're not going to understand the deeper parts. So you have to, if you treat the brick and mortar with no respect on any kind of principles, don't even start getting spiritual with me, guys. <laughs> you know, that's how I see it. So I shall also do to this house, which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to your father, so as I did in the north. And I shall cast out, uh, I shall cast you out of my presence, as I have cast out your brothers, all the seed of Ephraim. Again, you see the two people groups that are involved here. So I. I cannot separate when Messiah is quoting from Jeremiah that he's talking to these two people groups, not only just these two people groups, but this house to be a house for everybody. So it's not excluding uh, anybody. There's an invitation, but yet he's still talking to a specific peoples that should know and how to obey what he has set forth, which I believe we need to strive, and I think we are striving to do that. And I think that's, I know how I, I, I need that's what I set out to do. Again, look at the uh, two people. The, we see the two people groups involved here. Yahshua, here's something else too. Yahshua values the temple. So we need to value the temple too, but we have to value it in, a, in the right way. Okay? Because it meant something to Messiah. 
So we can't say, oh, we believe in Jesus or we are Christians and oh, that temple's for the Jews. That's dad's house. So there's a value there because Messiah put a value on it. But we have to understand it and the value, how Messiah valued it, okay? So it was a physical, remember what the, it was. It was a physical meeting place for Elohim to meet his people corporately. That's important as individuals, but yet it's important as Ephraim and how we view it. There's an importance about the temple as well, okay? So, then it goes on. So, okay, the, with the money changers. So, I, what I believe, some of the research I found out of what the money changers are going on. Uh, 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 Bobby, you kind of mentioned it, and I think there was a couple other hit upon a lot of it. What I found, it seemed like they were gouging people. Because there's nothing wrong with exchanging money. They wanted a particular coin that seems to be, that was to be used. Which, I can understand that. But, they also were coming from a position, it's like, well, which I see no different than I've seen on TV and heard from preachers in the past. Okay? They were merchandising deliverance to the people, okay? And setting it up in a sense that they were going way beyond the means of just offering a basic, um, what would you call it? It's a simple word. They went beyond just offering a basic service to their brothers and sisters they were viewing it, and I even heard, the, uh, read a lot of it at the time. It became a huge financial system, and they actually used it as a bank. All right? So in a bank there, they were charging interest. Okay? Not just a simple fee to make sure that it was equal weights and measures. And charge, you know, which I can understand that, but they were going way beyond that. You know? So... So I believe that was some of what was going on. And then they turned the house of the Most High into this big marketplace. Emporium is the word that we would use today, but that's the word in the Greek is being an emporium. So it be, you know, so that's what I think Messiah is so upset about. Okay? Because when you start doing that, it becomes deliverance and religion and our father becomes a commodity. Okay? To be bought and sold and get a little piece of. And that is so far removed. That's how we read in Jeremiah, Baal and all those gods, that's how they operate. That's how that system of currency and stuff operates. And yes, we see that outside as well, and we have to learn some of that wisdom as we're going along, but that's not how we need to operate before the Most High, okay? So if there's, Barry, I'm sorry, you had a question or a comment, and I overlooked you. Any or did I cover it? <laughs> no? <laughs> no, but I figured I would just let it slide. <laughs> but since you brought it up, <laughs> okay. um, I have been to a church where I remembered this, well, back quite a few paragraphs, um, of, of the uh, my house, my house, my house, because they would... They would talk about different things, and then they'd say, let's read from the Word of God, and they would read one passage. And, and they would always emphasize 
word of God, word of God, mm-hmm. word of God. I think they said word of God more times than they read anything from the word of God. Exactly. Not understood. <laughs> okay, we'll get um, Kathy and then um, Polly. And then we, we can continue in. Go ahead. Well, I f- first of all, I think it's the house of grace, period. So that's to be respected in itself. And then in my own little mind, how I think things from those days to our days is that let's just say I just mop my floor and I have two cats and a dog, a little min pen, and all of a sudden someone comes over to my house and I answer the door and they just bring in their big old St. Bernard dog to my house, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, hello, like, you know, and it to me that would be disrespectful for someone not to like ask or like just storm in your house and then they start swearing in mm-hmm. your home or you make a meal, a dinner, and they sit at the table with their shirt off, you know, and stuff. So, like, I relate that stuff then to how it would be nowadays to interpret it in my own little mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what I think it's kind of about is what our sister Lucia said is that it's respect and it's a house of grace and it should be respected and honored. No, I, I guess, yeah. and I agree. Thank you. Cause, and... He set down a protocol how that is to be, and I'm still learning how uh, the significance of all those protocols that he has. And obviously, he's upset. All right, Messiah's not going to do this unless there's something that was completely wrong. Now, I'm I'm just guessing there's probably other things that were going on and that we could add in there. And all I'm saying is, I it's not that I have the answer to this, you know, but. At the same time, I did try to look at uh, as much research as I could because we don't want to apply the wrong things, okay, uh, to why he was upset because then, then we in turn might be start doing some of the same things that he's upset with because we defined something that it really wasn't. Yeah, uh, Polly. So I kind of want to go back to the first comment I made about the miracles that those that were in seats of position were looking for, knowing that these were the things the Messiah would accomplish. So if we look at back at what you've been talking about in Matthew over the previous chapters, we see some of these um, miracles that he did since Sukkot when he goes to the uh, waters of salvation on that eighth day and he mm-hmm. declares, you know, basically um, that you're going to drink of these waters, that salvation basically is going to be available to mankind in a greater capacity. And so now that he has their attention, we looked at the blind man that he healed. That was one of the other ones. Remember, he puts the mud. You talked about he spit in the mud and put the mud in his eyes. That was one of them. That was one of the uh, messianic miracles because they knew that I, they believed that a man with a defect, it was because of the sins of his parents. The sins of the generation would be passed on to their children. So remember, they're asking him who sinned, his father or his mother. And he's saying neither. It's so that God's power can be demonstrated through this man's life. So now they have the, uh, let's say, those seated in positions of authority. Now he has their attention. So the next thing I believe is the leper. Remember him cleansing the leper? And up until this point, they knew that only the hand of God or the leprosy was 
something brought about by the finger of God. Then, Most lepers yeah. had to go off to a leper camp and live out their lives. But this leper was healed. All throughout the Tanakh, the only time we see a, hepper, a leper healed was mm. because God, perform, God himself did it. Yes. So by him healing the leper, now the attention is upon him again. So he's been moving all of this time from the observation stage of what he's doing. Now he's got the Sanhedrin's attention, and now he's more in an interrogation stage where they're beginning to come to him and question him. They're like narrowing down to who he could be because of what he is doing. Let's see, it was the blind man, the healing of the leper, and then... Um, what was the other one? Raise, Lazarus being raised, raised from, the from the dead. And I forget what the other one is. Oh, casting out the demon from the yeah, dumb man. The so he has their attention now. He has gotten the attention of those observing him. He has the attention of the Sanhedrin now. So when he's coming now to the temple of what you've been talking about, he's now beginning. They're, they're looking at this man has done these things that we've been looking for that only God can do, that only the Messiah can do, and he has done these. So now he's taking, I see, a more bold step in authority when he comes to the, the temple now, uproaring what's going on there, beginning to boldly declare these things because he knows he's going to the cross, mm -hmm. and he's going to make these final declarations now that eyes are upon him on who he is if they will just allow their eyes to be open as he sent that man to the pool of is it shalom yeah i believe so yes to be open that blind eyes can be open if you are willing to allow your eyes to be opened oh that's awesome thank you for sharing Holly. so with that let me close and then next week we'll kind of summarize real quick uh, if i if i didn't make it clear or whatever we can clarify some things next week and then we'll continue on matthew and this uh, uh passover week there's so much going on here that i do want to cover father Yahweh, we give you great thanks father we thank you for all you do father continue to empower us with your spirit so that we may accomplish everything personally and corporately that you would have us do we thank you amen shabbat shalom everyone thank you for Thank, Thank you, you for going through this with me, I guess.